electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. It is the final trading week of May. Uh, futures off to a decent start here ahead of a busy week of earnings. Got some sell side conferences, some Fed speak, even some bank CEO testimony. Dow S&P coming off two straight weekly losses. Our roadmap begins with the crypto roller coaster. Bitcoin rebounding after a wild weekend that took it back down to 32K. Plus, my exclusive interview with Liberty Media's John Malone about the Discovery Warner Media deal and what it means for future consolidation in the, broadly speaking, media industry. And remembering and honoring our friend and CNBC icon Mark Haynes, his historic market call at the depths of the Great Recession now being auctioned as an NFT to benefit charity, of course, Carl. We're going to talk a lot more about uh, that worthy cause, uh, David. In the meantime, uh, this Bitcoin volatility, Jim, uh, definitely does not take the weekend off. We've had several days in a row now, uh, many of them with double digit either drops or gains. It it is incredible Uh, when you're trying to I'm I'm a gardener and I come back after planting my tomatoes and it's like what down 11 percent. What happened? And that's really what the issue is. What happened? Uh, And I've got to tell you, as someone who owns both well, I, I own a Bitcoin and I own Ethereum. I'm getting 5% to own them. Now, how they're able to pay me that, I don't know. David, how am I able to get? You keep asking me and I don't know the answer. Well, I, I, asked you, is, I, I don't know that I'd want to own a, a crypto, but I'd love to get 5%. Well, that's the point. I mean, I don't understand who's selling it. If you can get such a good rate, it's down so much. Where are you getting this rate? You keep talking about it and I keep thinking you're making it up. Well, I, I would love you. Do you want to join me? I, sure, I'll take a bit of your crypto off. Of no, you. you're not taking any of my, my crypto. Five percent. I told I mean, you I bought that farm with the guy with, with the t- uh, crypto. I'm and, aware. you know, I just think that what you have to understand, David, is, is that the money to be made in crypto is so great that it's just in the by the way, the um, Carl, I've got to tell you, the actual commissions that I pay are so minimal cash at block fee. That's my firm. I love block fee. Whoever they are, um, they they give me eight point six percent of my cash. Okay, on Bitcoin I earn five percent, and on Ethereum I earn four point five percent. I guess the Fed's funds rate must be like five. Carl, how do they do it otherwise? Yeah. Block fee. I mean, isn't that like JP Morgan? Um, Block fee, JP Morgan, Jamie Dimon. You know, Block. Bank of America? Uh, Jim, whatever whatever the answer is, we're going to get closer to it uh, this week. Coinbase has their consensus 2021 conference kicking off today. You had Mark Cuban over the weekend arguing that this is essentially what he called a great uh, rewind in crypto. And then Michael Saylor on Friday of MicroStrategy talking about what he says is just a, a rebirth. Take a listen to this. Bitcoin's coming to life. It's an institutional grade safe haven asset. And although there's volatility, 
the volatility is the price you pay for it to be 10x outperforming the S&P index over a decade and be outperforming NASDAQ and S&P by a factor of eight in the last 12 months. All right, Jim, it's the price you pay. Well, look, uh, micro strategy has always been looking for a uh, kind of a macro strategy. And, uh, David, you know that micro strategy has been around forever. Uh, it's interesting that they're able remember, they had that period. David, remember that period in 1999 where they went from 118 to uh, 3,140? I do vaguely remember that period. And this is an interesting period as well. The stock is up 340, 400% or yeah. something along those lines. They're in business in intelligence software. They are in business intelligence software. But really, they're about how much Bitcoin they own. It was a fascinating interview with Mr. Sale that we had on Friday. Uh, and he's obviously followed very closely. He's extraordinarily uh, smart when you listen to you know, the, the detailed understanding, at least, that he has and his strong belief that Bitcoin is not just the future, but the present. Then why do these and, firms uh, decide not to take it? He doesn't any. shy away from the fact that, yeah, we do all these other things, but really our company's about our ownership. Of well, it's like riot blockchain. I mean, I, mean this- I asked him how, you know, wasn't, isn't he taking a great deal of risk? He has to admit that. Uh, and he just talked about how he's such a believer by the way, 740,000 times that that exchange was retweeted. I mean, that just shows you, Jim, the interest in him and in this. It, it's not stopping. This I mean, asset class. Carl, I weigh it every minute. How much should we talk about it? Uh, because when I talk to younger people, it's the only thing they want to talk about. And I often say, well, mm-hmm. can we talk about GE? Uh, or how about we talk about Amazon? Carl, no one's even inter- The younger people don't even know what Faang is. They, Carl, they're not interested. It's fuddy-duddy. Yeah. They often call me a fuddy-duddy because I'm interested in things like Facebook and Apple, Netflix. What are, you, what are you doing, David? On earnings. You're interested in earnings per share. Well, but this is something that used Ultimate. to be important. Yeah. I mean, I just think that I remember when – I remember Mr. I used to call it Mr. MicroStrategy. I am you – know, 21 years ago, I always called it Mr. Well, Carl, we can, we can dust off Mr. I mean, why not? I mean, Davis got some irrelevant interview yeah. with uh, some guy who was like uh, TCOM A. Right? <laughs> I remember it was TCOM A, right, David? The old TCI, yeah. But it doesn't mean, Carl, I do think as, that we as, have to focus on them. But we also have to I mean, they're the same thing as Kathy Wood, okay? They're the same thing as AMC. They're the same thing as GME. They are the same thing as Wall Street Bets. They are all one thing, Carl. And, and to the moon with Virgin Galactic, that's part of it. And after a while, no, Carl, I find that. that it's like, what kind of research are we doing here? Micro strategy. Yeah. As, even as you're talking, Jim, uh, Steve writes in and says, how about talking about some real investments instead of crypto all the time? So there's a balance. Um, it does sort of bring to mind, Jim, the question that, that Santoli brought over the weekend, and that is, you got this re-rating in, in, in crypto. We've seen it in SPACs. We've seen it in meme stocks. Uh, and to what degree is that sort of... D, you know, landing body blows on the overall market, uh, or is it a sign that it can uh, outlast some of these re-ratings and, and, and in the end uh, demonstrate signs of health? Uh, I actually think that it, it's going to get to a level where people are going to come back in. I mean, people who missed it at the 12,000 to 15,000 Bitcoin, I think they're going to come back. 
I think they're going to wait one more cathartic decline and they'll come back because I think people genuinely believe that this is a nice alternative. Now, I had Mark Bristow on last week. Now, he is he is the CEO of the largest gold miner, OK, which is Rand, you know, which is Barrick Gold, East Red Rand Gold. And he was just saying to me, will you give me a break? Gold is hard to find. There's not a lot of gold left. Gold never lost its uh, never lost its storeholder value. Now, David, when I look at gold again, I think of it's like grandparents. Huh? Yes, it's antiquated. Antiquated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's superannuated. Superannuated, antiquated. Like and yet it. at the same time, I would take those gold co- coins and sew them in my jacket if I had to, you know, make a mad dash. Why wouldn't you want to have a digital, a digital currency that you could access from anywhere? Well, anything you want with. I don't know. I mean, yeah. we'd pay ransomware how they that do- should come up. You do know? you hear? I mean, we had immediately a, pay the kidnappers. We had a piece earlier today about how ransomware, some companies are just taking yeah. down Bitcoin so they can I mean, pay ransomware. Can I just tell you that? really heavy. You can't carry a lot of it around. It really weighs a lot. Well, it's, you know, it's got stored all the value. Foreign corrupt practices. I think the U.S. government yeah. should prosecute anyone who pays a foreign government to get rid of. You know that how much the North Koreans they're stealing Bitcoin. We should pay. We I should. Mean, it's you, you should have to. You should be prosecuted. Like a billion the and a half practices. a year. They're they're just stealing it outright. And that once you own it, you once you've got it, you've got it. There's no can't once trace you got back. You've got it. You're just filled. Filled with circular reasoning today. <laughs> you got a good laugh out of Carl on that well, one. I don't know. I was hoping to see <laughs> something good. about that John Malone, but I'm happy to keep talking. Circular. We have to mention Dogecoin. Hey, we have you mentioned- know, let's move on to John Malone. Okay. Um, the, uh, the man, of course, uh, in part, one of the key architects of this deal that we talked so much about a week ago and we watched last week as it reverberated through the media industry. Of course, we're talking about time, uh, AT&T's decision to spin off its Warner Media. Uh, unit into a new company, 71% of which will be owned by AT&T shareholders, merging it with Discovery. Malone, of course, had been one of the significant control shareholders of Discovery, um, but he chose to give up that control. And, uh, you know, I asked him why he chose to do that and what about this deal uh, appealed to him. Take a listen. We had speculated on whether or not uh, a transaction with Time Warner was going to be feasible. Uh, I had that discussion, you know, over the last couple of years, really, with uh, investment bankers. I had that that same discussion with uh, with your boss, Brian Roberts. So, so it's it it was uh, interesting when John Stanky uh, approached David and said, you know, I think we should have a serious discussion. David called me up and said. Uh, what do you think? Uh, uh, I said, well, what's he got in mind? And it was, you know, effectively a spin merge. And, uh, and he said, but John is, uh, thinks this is going to be a bu- big public company. He thinks it would be inappropriate if there were any governance provisions other than plain vanilla. And uh, my reaction was fine, that I thought that the, uh, the alphabet soup that we have and you know, uh, had served its purpose, uh, had protected the company and given it a long view uh, for a number of years. And it was time uh, uh, when its usefulness was coming to an end. So I was fine with that. What encourages you about it? You know, what is it that you feel it is going to be able to deliver that gives you um, a sense that uh, this is the way that you should go? Primarily, I think we've got a great management team. I think David Zasloff is an exceptionally talented executive, particularly 
in the software content space. Number two, you may remember, uh, maybe it was up to two years ago, you asked me the question about HBO Max, and I said I thought they were going to struggle with getting the kind of subscriber growth in the U.S. that they were hoping for. And, uh, and you know, I think, in fact, that's true. For me, the problem with HBO Max is it had no ability to go international at the time. And the com combination with Discovery, given Discovery's existing presence, a large presence, in 200 countries around the world with a great brand, to me, that's the big upside. Interesting uh, to hear from... Uh Malone, of course, which we will continue to guys throughout the throughout the morning. You know, Discovery shares did not do well last week. AT&T shares, of course, Jim, we talked so often uh, about during the course of last week, in part because of your criticism uh, and the cutting of the dividend that will take place once this deal closes. Um, investors I've spoken to in terms of Discovery, listen, it's going to be five times levered at the outset of the deal. It's going to have an enormous amount of debt on its balance sheet. It's still largely in a business and by getting larger in it, which is obviously owning cable networks that is in decline. And so there's concern about that, as is at least some questioning of that three billion dollar cost synergy number that the company has committed to uh, to realizing and realizing in fairly short order. So that's sort of some of the skepticism here. You can see Malone doesn't share that skepticism. And we no. did talk in more detail about the three billion dollar cost synergy number and his confidence in it talked about the leverage the company will have and a lot of other things. Although Moffat Nathanson this morning says, listen, they think the opportunity for Discovery Plus and HBO Max to really scale outside the U.S. is significant, just the way you heard right. Malone saying just now. However, they question whether more choice for the consumer by operating two services will be incremental. They say the key will be expanding one of the services and their bet is Discovery Plus to include Turner Sports Rights and other originals with CNN to broaden its reach as they downgrade. Well, Discovery. you can agree with both men. Because yep. if you recall, uh, your excellent interview last time with Malone was uh, after Discover. They, they, remember, they're going all the way down because yes. of the Scripps deal. Yes. And he right. said, buy it. Yes. And it was that, was, in, that was two interviews ago, I think. It was yeah. brilliant. And it yeah. was in the low 20s. It was a great and time. it was one of the greatest calls, but it had fallen. It had fallen. Moffat Nathanson is predicting a similar trajectory added to the fact that people do not, many of the people who are getting this wanted the yield. And they'll sell. So it was an excellent piece about what's going to happen shorter term. Malone is what's going to happen longer term. There'll be a time to buy this. I was very insightful. David, there may be. As always. Well. Carl, we'll have a lot more from Malone, of course, as we move along this morning. Yeah, we'll talk more about the, the Moffitt call. It is pretty interesting. There's some other big calls today, guys, on uh, Beyond Meat. Uh, there's uh, Coinbase, Goldman uh, going to a buy on initiation, HP. And we'll talk about this NFT that we're auctioning off this morning of our Mark Haynes, our former colleague, on his market call from 2009 as we remember him on the 10th anniversary of his passing. We're back in a moment. Every day. Thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. 
For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Ten years ago today, we lost our dear colleague and friend Mark Haynes. He was a fixture at CNBC from the network's launch until the day he passed away. He's remembered for a lot of things, but certainly for the Haynes bottom when he called the low in the S&P 500 on March 10, 2009. I think we're at a bottom. I really do. In honor of Mark, we are now auctioning an NFT of that famous call from 09. We're also selling a set amount of tokens for anyone who doesn't want to participate in the auction. It's all online now at mintable.app slash CNBC. It ends at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time Wednesday morning. And all proceeds go to Autism Speaks, a favorite charity of Mark's. The Council for Economic Education, which focuses on financial literacy, go to mintable.app slash CNBC. It's a carbon neutral event. We're purchasing some offset credits from a firm called Ariel to make sure we have no negative impact on the environment. And Jim, it sort of reminds us of the question, what would Mark have made of all these novel notions and concepts, NFTs, but even meme stocks and crypto as a real asset class? It's 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 kind of a fun game to think about what he would have made of it. Well, I think that one of the things that Mark liked to do is confront uh, maybe he would have confronted, found some way to confront Ryan Cohen at GameStop. Maybe he would find some way to uh, really put uh, Adam Aaron, uh, CEO of AMC, to the fire, something that I've not been able to do. But I think that Mark was unbelievable at that. You remember, David, he would get people on who you'd be surprised. Uh, bookers would help him. And then he was perfectly willing to eviscerate right in front of you if he felt that the person was a gas bag. Or was a dissembler? <laughs> yes. Uh, I can remember any number of those moments. There was one in particular about a report from the NASDAQ where Mark had gone home and read every single bit of it. It was sort of the lawyers many years ago and just crushed somebody who came on air to try and defend it. Just, I mean, eviscerated them. It's still fresh in my mind because when he, you know, he'd been a lawyer as well. He was brutal. Yeah, when he's he was brutal. Uh, when he was on cross-examination. And, and I absolutely love that because he was not owned. I mean, I, when Carl, when I say not owned, we all like to say that we're not owned. But when I say not owned, I mean, he, uh, he was afraid of nothing. And, and it is really a great thing to see someone who, uh, and it wasn't like he, when you got nothing, you got nothing to lose. I mean, he's family man. He did a lot of things outside. But he just kind of just felt it was his job to give anyone uh, whom he felt was blowing smoke a hard time. And Carl, I think a lot of the stuff you just mentioned seemed very, uh, let's say, Smokish. How about that? Smokish. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a well. It's a good point. We're going to re- be reminding our viewers about uh, the NFT uh, today and into the deadline on Wednesday. We hope you'll uh, think about it. In the meantime, take a quick break. Futures look pretty good here ahead of a uh, lot of news headed our way over the coming sessions. Don't go anywhere.
What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Time for a mad dash. We'll get you ready for an opening bell. A new uh, week of trading beyond meat. Beyond meat. David, it's, uh, Bernstein says it's time to take another bite. Upgrading from underperform to outperform. They think it should be recognized as a reopening play. Why? Because they've got this very big service business. Uh, it is a reopening I, e- play. Yeah, I know. Um, e- Ethan Brown, who is the CEO, has yeah. often said to me that one service opens up again, mm-hmm. there are many, many places that will have Beyond Meat at a cafe, at a cafe. Oh, I see. And, uh, okay. and I also think that the restaurants own, I mean, I, I, I very rarely get to a restaurant that doesn't have some sort, a beyond, of. Some sort of Beyond Meat burger. They got Beyond Meat 3.0. Uh, so they're always one step ahead of the pasta. You remember, they're non-GMO. Mm-hmm. There are always people who tell me, well, listen, Impossible tastes better. Who cares about the GMO? And the answer is many people, uh, many people. Uh, the stock down 10% for the year. Yeah, well, it's, it's been suboptimal. We can remember, of course, it's great run, really, not long after it came public. Right, and it's a heavily shorted stock. So, I mean, theoretically, it should be a meme stock. I've always tried to figure out why, uh, let's say, GM, GameStop, and AMC were adopted very early. And why don't they adopt Beyond Me? Just to make it so it's a little more interesting. Yeah, you see AMC, Dally, and its largest shareholder getting out. I mean, I Silver Lake got out, made money they never expected to ever see. Incredible. Now, Dally and Wand is out. Isn't it incredible? Amazing. But anyway, I, I like this story because Ethan, I think he's cut the price many times at the supermarket, and now he's got a very good service story. By the way, I'm told that it's block fi, block fee, and I pronounce block fi, block fee, like fee, like semper like, fee, like semper fee. No, like yeah. so fi. Semper fi. It's block fi. Semper fi. Semper it's fee. block fi. You say potato, I say potato. I know. I mean, does anybody care? Potato, it offers so much. Let's call the whole thing off. We did a long time Thank ago. You. All right, we got an opening bell though. We're not calling that off. Stay with us. Get the opening bell here in a couple of moments. We've covered a couple of calls, guys. The discovery call out of Moffitt, uh, the Beyond Meat call, Jim. But there's going to be a ton of corporate news this week. Airbnb business update tonight. Uh, tons of uh, sell side conferences, as we mentioned. Earnings from the likes of Salesforce and others. We have a big week. I mean, NVIDIA, Salesforce. The, a lot of the companies that are uh, now regarded actually as senior growth, incredibly, will report this week, and they're all ticking up. I don't like that. I don't like NVIDIA up six right now. Salesforce up a buck and a half. Let's just temper our enthusiasm. Those have not been the stocks to be in lately. So I, I, to me, until the NVIDIA deal closes with ARM or they walk away from ARM, then what happens is every time it goes up past 600, people sell it. So, David, it's more in your hands than in mine, and I don't see anything that tells me that deal gets done. Right, right except for NVIDIA keeps saying that it's going right. to. They seem to be the lone voice, but they're not a voice you shouldn't ignore. No. They need Chinese antitrust approval, of course, and the U.K. has already signaled right. its opposition to the deal. Is there an appeal is where, in the U.K.? Uh, is where it is. But what happens in the U.K.? If, is there an appeal to who? To a court? You know, it's a good question, Jim. I'll get an answer for you. I don't know specifically. Well, um, I know we'll hear from the trust rules are different, and there are even different levels or different ways they go about things. So uh, let me try and find that. We also have Williams-Sonoma, Carl, which is 
some people say is the ultimate uh, open up story. Uh, why? Because they mm-hmm. are now great outdoors. You can, you know, people have discovered them. And then there are other people who say, no, every single room is redone. You don't need them. I think it's going to be, I think the former, I think they blow out the numbers. Uh, I think Laura Albert's amazing. Uh, I would not bet against that stock. I know there are a lot of people betting against it. Yeah, you mentioned um, the reopening, Jim. Uh, COVID cases now down 90% from the peak in January. Uh, you had uh, Gottlieb on Squawk this morning saying we could get down to one per 100,000 a day, uh, a level at which the CDC would say that's very low transmission. Nine states have vaccinated 70%. The late show on CBS, Jim, going to have a full audience uh, starting in June. So that's all good news. You mentioned uh, chips. Uh, we are going to get some Micron news as now the chip shortage clearly has the eye of Congress. And we'll talk to Sanjay Marotra this afternoon on Closing Bell. Oh, that'll be so good. Sanjay will be meeting with uh, the Secretary of Commerce. Uh, I, I do know uh, Plot Materials is saying to me it, that that business is going to grow for them very much. I want to make that clear. I had felt that it wasn't clear from the conference call. Uh, obviously, the semiconductor capital equipment stocks, David, they, they, they can ignite again. If there is a belief that you know, Taiwan Semi comes in and buys even more than they have, mm-hmm. Taiwan Semi is the most, maybe arguably the most important company in the world right now. It certainly may be, and there, there's no shortage of concern about China and Taiwan and what would actually happen if China became even more aggressive, what the U.S. response would be. I mean, that's geopolitics, right. but it's not something that doesn't get paid attention to and, by And the Wuhan story, would the Europeans ever uh, say, you know what, that's a real story, and we're no longer going to be as beholden to the Chinese. You know, the Europeans have 25 percent of their product goes there. You're talking when you say the Wuhan story. The I'm fact talking that, about the that more that, and more. That that Dr. Scott probably was uh, uh, was came out of a lab. Right. There, that was working, of course, on gain of function for for the SARS virus. Right. Um, unintentional. Unintentional. Perhaps not the proper safety protocols. There's been, I mean, there's some good journalism that's been on this for some time. I know Dr. Gottlieb actually. Well, to me, he's the the guiding light, Carl. I just find Dr. Gottlieb, I'm riveted when he comes on Squawk, uh, just riveted in his own quiet way. Yes. He has uh, defined what needs to happen, uh, and he can be optimistic. Today, he smiled, Carl. You don't see him do that to us. <laughs> I must have missed that part, Jim. I, I did hear him, uh, uh, though, argue that the theory that it was uh, lab-grown uh, has certainly gotten more credence, even as the theory that it was animal-born has basically stayed stagnant. Uh, but there's a lot uh, we don't know and probably never will know. Jim, I got to point out, Brett, that's pretty good here. Almost all uh, Dow stocks are green to start the day. Look, I, I, there are so many people who correlate it with, with Bitcoin. I refuse to do that. I correlate it with earnings and with Europe, uh, the, the tame nature of bonds. Uh, David, I just am not going to go there that this market is completely beholden to what happens with Ethereum and Bitcoin. No, but, um, but you have been a believer in the uh, transitory nature of inflation. I sure Do you am. think that that oh, is being reflected in, David, in the rally to, we've seen in the last few sessions? You have to go over places. You have to go over Foot Locker. There's okay. a moment in the Foot Locker where they say that the port congestion is getting better. I thought that was incredibly important. There's a moment where Deere says that, look, commodity costs have doubled, but now it could be in the stock. Notice Deere stock did not get hit on that. Mm-hmm. We know that aluminum and steel and lumber are all controlled by the president. They can change that. You can change it. the tariffs. You talked about tariffs on Canadian lumber, right. for example, although lumber prices have come down 
They're yes, still they, very high. They're still very high. Historically, but down from yeah. the highs. I think that in, in in the deer call, and also when you speak to Agco, which is their big competitor, you dig, do get the sense that the farmers are buying like mad. And you know what happens when the farmers buy like mad? They plant like mad. And so then within a few months, futures trade down on that. So now I am not going in the Kathy Wood camp, which says that deflation is going to be the issue. I can't get my arms around that, David, but perhaps you can. Maybe you can defend that position. I don't know. Uh, no, I won't try to defend that position, but I will sit here day after day and sort of question your belief, because so many others do, that will it be transitory or not? A lot is potentially riding on that right. view. We know where Fed Chair Powell is. Right. Um, and a lot of depends on it, but, including perhaps the movement of, well, the 10-year and, right. and the broader market. But, Carl, I would say over and over again that of the ones that seem really intractable, it was and is freight. And if Footlocker is right, and I believe them, that there is an easing, and I think this is really important in the Footlocker conference call, they bring it up very, very on, very early on. They say if there is an easing in port trouble, then, in which they claim there definitely is, then you're going to see a decline in one of the most, what we thought was an intractable portion of commerce. So I was quite bullish from the Footlocker call, and I think people should read through it. It was a very positive call. Yeah. You mentioned deer as well. I see this morning Credit Suisse goes to 427, uh, Jeffries to 450, um, JPM to 330, uh, Stiefel to 430. Pretty good numbers. I, I, I imagine you covered this on Friday with the with the earnings. Yeah, but I mean, I, I would say that there are people who want to cycle out. Some analysts want to cycle out of it. I just think that that if you go over the conference call, you'll see that this is a, a cycle and this cycle has more legs. And uh, versus typical cycles. And I am all in believing that this cycle merits an even higher stock price. David, you know, these ag cycles when they get going, I'm not calling them a super cycle. Okay. But when they get going, it's very hard to stop them until there's a massive amount of planning. Maybe the best ag cycle ever. So you want to own deer here at three? Still, yes. You do? Yeah, I do. And cat? Oh my God! Definitely. What are you talking? What are you just 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 asking? Just, just like just idly asking. I hope that it's like it's like. Do you want to own an Armani suit? Yeah, usually. If it yeah, that's right. Well, that's how I feel about cat. Usually. Okay. Jim Mumpleby's doing a remarkable job. Carl, when you go over that Caterpillar conference call, there wasn't a single line that was bad. And this is Caterpillar for heaven's sake. By this point, they've mm. they've usually screwed it up. Not under Rumpleby. <laughs> He's a business person. He's not a guy who makes yeah. trucks and earth movers. He's a business person. Yeah. Even though he's no, been schooled um, there. When we talked about the mining numbers coming out of the print, the construction numbers, especially in North America. Uh, but Jim, it doesn't sound like Republicans are going to bite on this new lowered bid on uh, on infrastructure down to 1.7 no. uh, from 2.3. No. Uh, we had Buttigieg on Squawk this morning, but it, it sounds like after Memorial Day, it'll it'll be more of a fisher-cut-bait kind of story. Well, I'm going to speak to Ward Nye tonight, and that's Martin Marietta Materials. They're the biggest road builder, and they're the biggest beneficiary if there is a they bought a really big outfit in California, a couple billion. If there is going to be an infra, they are closest to it. And I think that it uh, I'm not banking on it. David, I'm not banking on anything big at all. No, uh, as you probably shouldn't. It's unclear right. whether they can come to any sort of bipartisan agreement, given how far apart they are in terms of the numbers. Right. Then you move to reconciliation, where it still becomes something of a question mark, not to mention the tax increases on corporations that are supposed to go along with that plan and the right. resistance in many parts to that. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see if we get anything on infrastructure, even though 
there is virtual agreement. There's agreement across the aisle and across the country that we need some. Right. And that's why we need a lot of money to improve our infrastructure. And that's why Nucor is the number one stock, Carl, in the S&P 500. It's just a fantastic company. Again, they have a steel cycle. That means that it's you're you're still in early innings if you want to buy the stock. Cleveland Cliffs has come down dramatically. That sells at four times earnings. That might be an that usually means that tomorrow, next year is going to be a terrible year. That's what happened to Bethlehem Steel right before it collapsed. But I think Nucor is still a buy if you believe at all in infrastructure. But I think most people are not captivated. It is incredible, David. You know what? What I've like been beating the drum with this Nucor, and yes. people just say no. Stick with Ethereum. Well, not all of them. I mean, look at the stock. Somebody's <laughs> buying it. Well, I know, but yeah. people want me to stick with AMC. Why does Jim talk about Nucor when he can talk about GameStop, for heaven's sake? Yeah. Why does he talk about GameStop? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I'm listening to Strauss Zelnick. He's telling me basically GameStop's dead, but I don't want to go with that. No, God, don't be careful. Be David, very careful. Those you know, most David, bets people, they don't do you like you already. you have a safe house if you say that GameStop's dead? Uh, you may have one of the many homes. There's a few that are undisclosed, and I won't disclose them. So I know that you All I know to, is that periodically when I'm you can, skeptical about GameStop, you can shuttle people, around to your I, I think homes. GameStop's still, it's still interesting. Uh, ExxonMobil, guys, I wanted to mention briefly uh, because we're two days away from the, uh, the meeting and the vote. And Engine One, along with uh, CalPERS, they've made a, a, a more, let's call it, more robust showing than might have been thought originally. Are they actually going to win any directors? We'll see. But ISS backs, I think, three of their, was it four? Uh, and this morning, ExxonMobil out with a, uh, a shareholder letter, and I noted in it one thing in particular because it is new. ExxonMobil says that it will nominate two new board directors in the next year. Over the next 12 months, the language says uh, we will work with the board to secure two new directors, one with energy industry experience and one with climate experience. In some ways, that does seem to be addressing some of the concerns of Engine One. There's a look at that. Very impressive board of directors, uh, but they have an issue with it. And uh, maybe Exxon taking this a bit more seriously now as they're two days away from the vote. That is the most liberal board. <laughs> I mean, it's an awesome board. But it also is a board that I think is, defines why, why uh, Darren Woods comes on our network and says things that make him sound very, very uh, Sierra Clubbish, But not, um, I don't think he's Greenpeace. He's not there yet. No, he's not Greenpeace. Not yet. I shouldn't make fun. My daughter was a big Greenpeace person. Yeah. Um, all right, guys, I want to talk a bit more about uh, uh, and share some of my thoughts from not my thoughts, share some of John Malone's thoughts from our interview. Uh, we did tape it uh, late on Friday, I should point out. That's why I don't have a tie on, as you'll see. Uh, of course, last week, we didn't just spend time talking about the deal itself between uh, AT&T and Discovery, but we talked a lot about AT&T. And my colleague here, of course, had very little to say about his thoughts about AT&T and John Stanky and Randall Stevenson. No, I, I, I kid. Of course, he had a lot to say uh, about the future of that company, the decision to cut the dividend. As you might imagine, though, John Malone sees things a bit differently. Take a listen. John Stanky showed a hell of a lot of courage in making this decision at this time because he, he found himself really chasing two capital-intensive, very competitive uh, rabbits. And I think his, his idea to uh, refocus AT&T on, on their primary traditional business and allowing other management to pursue with a different balance sheet uh, the direct consumer opportunity was a brave decision. And I think they have 
great positioning to be able to to duke it out with the other two leaders for leadership in the connectivity space. Okay. Yeah. Uh, wireless and and wired. I mean, they're they're a formidable force, and and he took uh, John Stanky had the fortitude to cut the dividend and refocus the company on, yeah, on it, competing it, and growing. It's a bold move. Connectivity. It's a is, bold move that he it's made. It's a bold move. Yeah. It's a bold move. Um, but it doesn't always, you know, bold doesn't always mean right. And I said that to him. Uh, but you seem to think it's kind of the only move he has at this point, given what's going on in the connectivity business. I, I think it's the prudent move. Uh, to do it and do it quickly. Uh, I remember I had these discussions with the guys at Verizon uh, that I was fairly close to. Remember, at one point, they, they, they floated the idea of acquiring Charter. But, uh, you know, they decided to stick to their knitting and, and, uh, and focus really on their core, which, which was advanced wireless. And, uh, and the market has rewarded them with higher valuation because of the focus that, uh, that they, they have. So I think that's, that's an important message, um, yeah. especially in the, the content space. Content creativity is so inconsistent with engineering <laughs> right. in terms of a mindset. That uh, that I'm not entirely sure that they belong together. <laughs> there you heard it, Jim. In- engineering and wireless uh, raising the same question that so many had initially when AT&T, of course, acquired. Right. But I, I still I never hear anything about Randall Stevenson and the huge package he got on the way out. Obviously, uh, John Malone was completely discredited what what he had done putting these together. And I don't hear about how. Uh, it, 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 that Stanky seemed to be very satisfied with the model and came on and was telling everyone this is a really good plan and never indicated that the dividend might be at stake. Uh, the release itself, I felt, was a, a, a way to be able to hide that the dividend was at stake and you had to have people kind of uh, parse it. So I don't know, Carl, I mean, my take is, is that John Malone's very wealthy. Uh, he can afford to take a look at what this is, uh, what's happened here and not be difficult, not, not judge harshly. But if you own ATT and you owned it for the dividend, I think you can only reach two conclusions. One is John Stanky gave you a false sense of assurance. And the other is that Randall Stevenson uh, was uh, ill-advised in the way he uh, handled the company. Yeah. Ill- uh, echoing some of your comments from. Last week. Oh, I'm not going away. Uh, We got almost every sector green. Energy is roughly flat. VIX below 20. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Morning, Bob. Good morning, guys. Uh, Happy Monday. Four to one advancing to declining stocks. Believe it or not, despite all these concerns, we're only less than 2% from an historic high on the S&P. Take a look at the sectors. For the month, it continues to be reopening stocks, but tech's leading today. Great 2% moves up in some of the semiconductors. They're all the leaderboard. Uh, Materials, industrials, modest gains. Uh, Banks, 
flattish. Energies flattish to slightly down, as you can see, slightly up here. That's been in and out. Uh, the important thing is not a lot of new highs. Financials, Morgan Stanley, some of the other ones like City at new highs. But by and large, it's been about the reopening uh, in May as we get into the last week here. Energy, materials, banks, industrials. Uh, there's the reopening sector. Tech has been lagging, although as you see, it was up today. It's trying to make a bit of a comeback. The good news, the market believes the Fed has begun that tapering conversation starting last week. And the question, of course, is can they actually get across to the other side, hold the market's hands? Remember, the bears have been saying this is it. Peak everything, peak economy, earnings, peak reopening. The bulls are saying the Fed might be able to successfully communicate what their tapering and rate hike moves are throughout the summer. If they can do that, you get to the other side. You don't have a taper tantrum. Maybe. We'll see. It's very early. Big thing is Q2 and Q3 earnings keep going up just like Q4 and Q1 went up. Look at these numbers. They keep going up for the second quarter. Just a few weeks ago, we we're up 54 percent for the second quarter. Remember, the second quarter last year was the bottom. So we're going to have big numbers again for the second quarter. Now it's up 62 percent in a few weeks. And Q3 is the same thing. It was up 19 percent in the beginning of April. Now it's up 23. In the fourth quarter, same thing. They're raising the numbers because the analysts have been embarrassed by how badly they've misunderstood the opening and the reopening theme here. I want to just point out, finally, that the important numbers here that we've been seeing with some of these thematic tech companies, these clean energy, lithium, cloud computing, uh, cybersecurity, Kathy's Woods, uh, ARC funds, these are all dramatically off their 52-week highs. We've been noting this for a couple of weeks. I think that something that's been underreported is the fact that the outflows have been very modest in these funds. Most of them have seen 5% or so outflows. So when you have a 30% decline and only 5% outflows, that's pretty modest. And it's a sign that a lot of the holders in these funds may be a little stickier than people have thought. Yes, probably a third of these funds are held by retail people who are very, very weak hands, who got out very quickly when the momentum moved against them. But at least uh, at least half of them, I would say, uh, are longer-term institutional holders. And I think that's very a good sign for these companies. And the main reason, we're not seeing major outflows. If there were big outflows, then you start seeing panic with these fund holders. I don't see it right now. And I think that's been uh, a source of a lot of encouragement. Guys, back to you. All right, Bob, thanks for that, uh, Bob Pisani. It's a fairly light week for data this week, but there'll be a lot of Fed speak. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Yes, you know, Fed speak is going to be important. You heard Bob. Uh, many believe that the notion of a taper is just going to be announced and the market's going to say, okay, we're, we're cool with that. I personally don't think that is the way it's going to happen. And I think that we're always going to have some form of a taper tantrum. Once the word's out of when, the actual when the taper begins, there's going to be a move. And I think that no amount of preparation or guidance is going to alter that fact. How do the treasuries look today? Well, look at an intraday. We were testing that 160 level, getting close. It's moved away from it just a bit. And if you open the chart up, basically the 160 level was the low last Monday. And it continues to be what many traders and technicians would call the pivot. You know, if we keep settling and doing most of the work on the north side of 160, rates will be a bit firmer. They may slip a bit if we start to close under that level. You know what the best hedge is? for a stock market that gets a little dicey to the downside? Well, historically, it used to be long treasuries. But there's a lot of question marks at this point in time whether there is any hedge left anymore for the equity markets, considering how much 
involvement. Let's use that word uh, we've had in central banks on interest rates. Look at a year today, the S&Ps against tens. Certainly looks like an inverse relationship lately to me, and that's not exactly what you want if you're going to be looking to buy treasuries if stock prices move lower. Finally, let's go to foreign exchange. It seems as though all the easy money's been poured really poured in the U.S. economy. We could argue as to whether it was done appropriately or not, but from an investor standpoint, maybe the easy trade's over. Seems like Europe's getting a lot more interest by investors. Look at their currency year to date. It's basically at the highest levels of the year uh, since early January against the dollar. But a little looked at is how it's doing against the Japanese yen. Here's the euro yen. Right now, the euro's at the best levels in over three years. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, thank you. Uh, Rick Santelli. So as of this moment, we are positive once again for the month on the S&P. Uh, semis are up uh, more than 1%. NASDAQ still got about 2.5% to go to get green for May. We're back in a moment. Take a look at Virgin Galactic, uh, first peak above the 50-day since early March, and it crossed its daily average volume in the first seven minutes of trading, of course, after completing its first space flight in a couple of years. We'll talk to the CEO coming up in the next hour, a squawk on the street, so don't go anywhere. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. You know, Carl, if you really believe that uh, Secretary Raimondo from Commerce and, and Sanjay Marotra, who we're going to have on, are going to be talking about a way to be able to build more chi- uh, foundries, the one to buy, I think, is LAM Research. Uh, LRCX is still down, what, about 40 from its high. Uh, Tim Marcher's incredible. That is, to me, the great growth engine in the semiconductor capital equipment segment. I do like applied materials, but they have some they have divisions not semiconductor capital equipment. This thing's 100% devoted to it, and I know that a lot of their stuff is sold out, but holy cow, they have been a great performer, and they're going to continue to be a great performer because it's the best. It's actually one of America's greatest manufacturers. We don't talk about it enough. Huh. Interesting, Jim. Yeah, it's uh, the picture's a little cloudy on supply, but we're hoping it'll clear up in, in the uh, near future. What's tonight? OK, I have Martin Marietta Materials mentioned them earlier, and that's a big acquisition. But they're also, remember, deeply involved if there is some sort of infrastructure bill. And then Dylan was said with a name like Utz, it's got to be good. Utz potato chips did not have a great quarter, by the way. And we want to find out what happened there. Yeah, we did get some downgrades today, Jim, of Campbell's and Dollar General, right? Some yeah. of those consumer names these are, are all, not feeling the love today. Yeah, these are all not, you know, with the great reopening, you don't want to just go to those places or just drink, or just have soup. I don't know. The great reopening is making a lot of people sell a lot of stocks, Carl, uh, and buy others, including Target endlessly. Target may be the single best beneficiary. Oh. Yeah, and I'll talk about all-time highs for several days in a row. Jim, we'll see you tonight. Okay, Bad thank Money, you. 6 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to The Opening Bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.